Welcome, Web Slingers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus. Together, we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast, a show about the world of cinema and a celebration of our love of movies. Today, guys, it's finally time for Spider-Man No Way Home. Usually, this is the time where we do our weekly watch list, but we want to get right to the review, so we're going to give you a longer weekly watch list next week. Right now, we're going to dive into the new Spider-Man spectacular movie, No Way Home. And after that, we're going to rank all the other live-action films. So let's get right to it, guys. Spider-Man No Way Home. The world knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Peter and his loved ones must deal with the fallout. This is directed by John Watts, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. What did you guys think of this? I loved it. I thought it was absolutely my favorite Spider-Man movie so far. Um it's it's gonna be they're gonna have such a hard time topping this i just think it's just the perfect blend of the old movies the new the newer movies like the mcu it's got all that um all that same mcu humor but it's also very grounded in subject matter for a superhero movie it's at times it's like harrowing it's dark it's sad but it's also optimistic and uplifting at points and it's just Everything you could possibly ask for in a superhero movie. Definitely. Tyler. Well, I just want to say I did really enjoy it. Um, I definitely think it was a great Spider-Man movie. It was kind of a lot of fan service um, there. But I just want to say, like, after thinking about it more, my opinion waned a bit. I think narratively it wasn't that strong. But I I definitely think if you're a fan of the other Spider-Man movies, you'll absolutely love this one. Very enjoyable. Um, I think it was a kind of cool culmination of all the Spider-Man films that have come before. So it's definitely an enjoyable ride. Um, We're going to break this down in a couple of minutes here. But I'm I'm very excited to where you think that narrative broke down. Um, Yeah, same. Yeah, I the best parts of this movie are some of the best stuff that I've seen in like a long time. Uh, to sort of answer you, Tyler, it is fan service, but I personally think it's the best kind of fan service where it's entertaining and nostalgic, but the frame of the movie has its own story. It doesn't just exist to like remind us of all the things that we love about Spider-Man that a lot of like reboots are nowadays. They basically just exist to be like, hey, remember that? This mm-hmm. This movie does some of that, but its own story is compelling in every way. Matt, you kind of mentioned that this really covers the whole emotional spectrum. Uh, it's really funny. It's harrowing. It's really sad. Um, it's it's fun. The drama is exciting. And the character arcs really kept me hooked. Um, it's not... Well, I'll save that for later. Everybody in this movie is, like, completely in it. Nobody's reining it in. And it's so tough to do with a cast this large... Um, especially coming back and especially Tyler you mentioned that like Alfred Molina said he just wanted to do this for money I think he was I watched the panel that that was from I'm pretty sure he was kidding but oh, okay all right I don't want to misquote him we love Alfred uh, he was great in this and as was mentioned if you're a Spider-Man fan and even if you're not um, I think you're going to love this I, I would just 100% see that's that's it. that's where I, if you're not a Spider-Man fan I don't think you're gonna be that that excited by it. I think it was fun yeah I think I think the fan service was done very tastefully I mean look at how like Halloween kills or Ghostbusters afterlife how they did the nostalgia and you know, well this was your that was your gripe about 
Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's like, uh, yeah. uh, remember that? Uh, remember no, that? A hundred percent. Well, you better know. done than that. Absolutely. I'm yes. not saying that. I, I, I gripes with the story. I'm uh, curious. I mean, when we break down the plot, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I'll, I'll expand on it. Don't worry. Please, oh, please. We, we value differing opinions here. I, I have this one guy on my Facebook who just keeps talking crap on it nonstop. Oh, That's, okay. it's like Inter- I'd be interested to hear his takes later. He, his take is just, oh, it wasn't that good. I, I mean, he fair, he's entitled to that. I know, but it's like he doesn't even elaborate on it. It's just hey, sometimes like, it's just a feeling, and that's okay. Uh, we we oh, have some of our podcasts, yeah. We have some. We asked some of our podcast friends some from, from some really great shows that you should check out what they thought of the movie. Uh, we've got some quotes here. Matt, why don't you kick us off? All right, we got the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. You can find them at OD Parlay Hour. And they said, No Way Home was a true capture of what Spider-Man represented and arguably the greatest superhero. The movie recovers from a slow first act to drop the mic on a franchise that has had new life with Tom Holland as the lead. Joey DiCarlo over at So Wizard Podcast, you can find them at So Wizard Podcast, said that it's an absolute love letter to Spider-Man. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll cheer. No Way Home is the best movie of the year. Our friends at Stew World Order, they review comic book movies, very appropriate. You can find them at SWO Productions said it's proof that a movie can be fan service and also a great standalone story. It has way more heart and emotion than the third movie in a series should carry. I completely agree with them. Do you guys consider this the third movie in a series? Because it's also the third and the third and the fourth of a series. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a spoiler alert for, for what's to come, but... Yeah, the, the MCU as a whole is hard to like separate series when everyone's just kind of bouncing back and forth between movies. Yeah. So I, I I never think of them as as movies <laughs> like as um like standalone series. That's true. And the, do you count Civil War as a Spider-Man movie? Is Infinity War a Spider-Man movie? It doesn't yeah. really matter. Well, like look yeah. at look at Civil War, which is considered a Captain America movie in the cap, but that has every single character established. Yeah. So <laughs> it's hard to call it a trilogy when you're just having characters from each movie bouncing. At a certain point, whatever. They're yeah, there. at a certain point, it's just semantics, really. Yeah. And we got one more. Matt, who were uh, they? Christian from Nerds with Friends podcast over at, at Nerds with Friends. He said that Disney perfectly blended a film that could have easily been badly paced and muddled and that the ending was perfect. And I gotta agree. Thank you so much to our old friends. And we want to hear from you, the listener, most of all. Uh, so please contact us. All right, I think it's time. Um, this is a very spoiler-heavy movie. It's tough to know what people want to give away or not. So I'm going to give the warning now. We're going to start to yes. break it down. So if you don't want to know anything about Spider-Man No Way Home, um, I hope that you enjoy the movie. Please come back to us later, but we're going to start breaking it down right now. Spoiler warning. If you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. Alright, in the beginning, this starts right off, straight from where Far From Home left off. J. Jonah Jameson reveals to the world, well, really Mysterio, and then J. Jonah Jameson reveals to the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And I'm going to stop us right now. How did you guys like J. Jonah as like an Alex Jones-esque reporter? (laughs) I thought it was fitting. I thought it was a nice way to modernize him. 
I, I definitely agree with that. Um, the Spider-Man game for PS4 and the Miles Morales uh, follow-up does the same thing really well, and I think he fits that role very well for a more modern take on him. Yeah, he even had the weird ads going, which I thought was a nice touch. I do miss the hair, though. And do we have an answer? Like, why is he in the MCU universe? Like, every other character comes through the... the the multiverse crack or whatever it is and but, but he's already there he was yeah. already there <laughs> i i do want to say is we already established spoilers correct yeah yeah so i'm just surprised that they didn't have toby Maguire's spider-man remark on that at all like yeah. that, hey that's my former boss <laughs> i know you <laughs> <laughs> did they actually meet at any point no i no. don't think they did i don't think he ever leaves the his studio well, no, he was outside Aunt May's apartment or the Happy's uh, apartment oh, building. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. No, they but didn't. that was I mean, before not... they were introduced, right? The other Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm not bothered by it. It was just a little snag that I was yeah. wondering. How. There's probably an explanation from people who know more than I do. I think the explanation is just don't think about it because J.K. Simmons is just perfect for the role, and they couldn't replace him. Yes, he is. He is. Oh, God, Every, everyone in those Raimi movies, at least the first two, are amazing. We'll get to that. Um, Peter is getting a lot of attention and a lot of harassment. A lot of people think that he killed Mysterio um, unjustifiably. So he's getting a lot of flack. This causes fallout. Him, MJ, or Michelle Jones-Watson, played wonderfully by Zendaya. I love her in this. And Ned can't get into the colleges they want. They all want to get into MIT. And so Peter visits Doctor Strange to cast a memory-forgetting spell. Uh, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was great in this. He played an even bigger role than I thought he would. Wong is against the spell. Wong doesn't want it to happen. But Stephen Strange agrees. The spell is interrupted. And here, so I know that we were kind of complaining before that there were like about nine trailers for this movie before it came out. Um, But I did think that this was kind of a nice red herring from the trailer that... You know, in the trailer, they lead you to believe that the spell immediately just, like, breaks everything and it's chaos. But I thought it was kind of nice here that the scene just ended with Strange containing it and then telling Peter to get out. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, surprisingly, with all the trailers that they gave us, there were still some really genuinely surprising parts in this movie, which we'll get to. But props to Sony for not totally blowing it like they do with other movies. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so that kind of ends like what I thought was the first part of this movie. Uh, and then we move into the next part where Peter goes to talk to an MIT administrator as she's in a car on a bridge. Uh, I'm very curious as to what his speech was going to be for her. But we don't totally get to find out because, lo and behold, Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2, Alfred Molina, shows up. Uh, they battle. Peter takes over Doc's arms. I I didn't love the action in this one as much as I thought I would. It was good, but I didn't love it. What did you guys think? I didn't mind it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was nice to finally see Tom Holland throw a punch at Spider-Man. And I don't think he's done it once in the, in the, the entire arc yet. So it was interesting to see him actually fighting villains. Yeah, so when, once that is resolved then green goblin shows up we get the the pumpkin bomb um but then doc and peter 
are brought back to Strange's lair, where he has uh, Lizard, played by Reese Ifans. Um, Lizard looks better in this one. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that Lizard was one of the worst looking and two kind of like the weakest of the Spider-Man villains. Not like in general, but just the way he's been portrayed in the movies. I still thought he was the weakest of this movie. Well, oh yeah, he, he still was. Yeah. But he, lo- he looked better. He looked a little yeah, better, he... yeah, but I still thought he looked pretty bad, to be honest. Yeah, the, the yeah. part later where he's in the truck, and then they like go away from him for a while, and then he comes back, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he forgot he was there. He was Every there. time he, was he talked, be... just was weird animation in my opinion. Like the face. Yeah. He was really just there to be punched in the promos. Yeah, to be punched by nobody in, in the yeah. promos. Uh, this is where we get like the explanation of the the crack, the the division in the multiverse, which is causing these people from other universes, universi, to break through, and so. Uh, Peter now knows that he is going to have to find these people who are coming through the cracks and stop them. They're coming to see him because he is Peter Parker. Now, this is what I thought, and we'll get more into it, but I thought this was a great uh, narrative, a narrative departure than what this movie could have been. They could have spent the rest of this movie where Peter goes around the world or goes around all of New York just like hunting villains. But they don't do that. They do something that I think is more narratively complex, and I was impressed by that. Would you guys have been satisfied with that movie if it was just Peter individually hunting all the villains down? No, because I think that would have been kind of like it would have been fan service done even worse, where we just get a block of each villain. Like, oh, I remember him, uh, him yeah. too. Yeah, I think it worked yeah. a lot better the way they decided to. Like, if that was a video game, that'd be one thing. Like this level, you're catching this boss. This villain. Yeah, that's true. You know, that would have played out okay in like a video game, but obviously this isn't a video game. This is a blockbuster movie, one of the third highest grossing of all time, if if I'm not mistaken. Until Avatar 2, so watch out. 20, 2088. That's when, it's, <laughs> that's when Avatar 2 drops. It's going to be making a lot of money. Forgive me if I've mentioned this before. Please do, but I remember... So Avatar came out in 2009... I remember looking on Wikipedia during that year, and it was like, Avatar 2 coming in 2012. And I believe that was right, spent, yes. It's been 10 years. Aren't there like four sequels already greenlit, too? And he's yeah. not even done with the I mean, I, I don't bet against James Cameron. This is the man who got the highest grossing movie ever and then outdid himself. So I don't bet against him, but at the same time, it's like, my God. I was still hyped for this, though. They're like, you watched the original 15 years ago. <laughs> I'm going to see it. That's what I'm, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm not betting against him. I want it to be good, but I'm just not interested. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a, a Cameron multiverse and Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis will show up on it. True Lies will have the uh, <laughs> Titanic, Leo and Kate. All right, back to Spider-Man. So knowing this, knowing that there are villains coming through, uh, he goes to hunt down Electro, played by Jamie Foxx. Uh, I like that. Well, I don't know if I liked it, but they didn't make Jamie Foxx be nerdy Max. They're just like, hey, be Jamie Foxx as Electro. <laughs> and I don't know, because I thought that him as Max was one of the really good parts of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I thought he was okay in this one, but I, I kind of like the ner- nerdiness. I don't know. I think um, I think Jamie Foxx just really didn't like 
his role in Amazing Spider-Man 2. You can tell it from the way he interviewed and the way that he played this role as new Electro, resurrected Electro. And, I mean, I like Jamie Foxx. I like him and things, so it's fine. See, I thought one of the worst parts of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was how they made Electro look with the blue, like, Watchmen <laughs> look. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I'm glad they got rid of that and, and gave him more, but it was odd to just see him be a completely different character than what he was. Well, I mean, if he hates that role, imagine Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I, I, I'm ready to talk about that later. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That loaded I can't wait. Get ready. All right, so during the scene with Electro, Spider-Man is fighting Electro, and then we have Sandman coming up in the form of an actual Sandman. Thomas Hayden Church does not actually show up as himself until the end of this movie. Um, I thought this was the one visual element that I was not impressed with. I did not think Sandman looked very good. And I I I can't put my finger on why, but I didn't. I thought he looked fine, but he just looks so out of place just among the villains. <laughs> like yeah. just the guy that's just pouring sand everywhere. He um he kind of his like the way they did his face kind of reminded me of Korg in a way. <laughs> yeah, what I way? can see that. Like the way the CGI was done on him, it just reminded me of the of Korg. I, I'm not well, sure exactly how I complete like his like his mouth and his like facial features reminded me of Korg a bit. Did Sandman get a, like a, a cheer? Uh, not, not a big one. Yeah, I think one person was like, oh, woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not like every other villain or Doc Ock that you saw a million times in the trailer. Like, yeah, woo, everyone oh my else, God, Doc like, Ock. People were jumping yeah. out of their seat cheering. Sandman appeared and like, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> Aunt May would sneeze and people would start cheering though. So yeah. that's, that's just a showing we were in. I have to, I do have to say I have to watch this movie just to get the first 30 seconds of dialogue after each character's introduction. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. We couldn't understand anything. The writers have to know that, that you shouldn't put any important dialogue after a great character appears. Hold for applause. Yeah, that's what it says in the script, hold for applause. And then, oh, we get the big one. We get not really the Green Goblin. We get Norman Osborn, played wonderfully by Willem Dafoe in his iconic role. Uh, he re reje- rejects his Green Goblin alter ego. He smashes the mask. He goes to meet May, and Peter meets him with her. This is where she convinces him that he needs to help out these people instead of destroying them. Because we come to learn that Stephen Strange is going to prepare a spell that's going to send them all back to their respective universes... However, they all realize that once they get back, they're going to die. So May convinces Peter to do the humanistic thing and cure them of their powers and their psychotic episodes so that they won't die. And that, I thought this was a really impressive uh, story caveat that I wasn't expecting at all. Were you guys? I mean, it was alluded to that, that he was going to have people to save... Um... I can't remember exactly what in the trailers, but it was kind of alluded to that he was gonna have to do something to like save all because they were saying he was saying like you can't save them all or something like that, um, and it was just an interesting way of wording it, which kind of made me think that there was something to do with something to do with the villains. Um, I thought I thought it was a nice like a very interesting way to approach it, 
Definitely not something that you normally see, and I enjoyed it. I also really did enjoy Willem Dafoe this time around as Green Goblin. I will, arguably, I'd say he was better in this than he was even in the Raimi Spider-Man. I and here's my re- here's my reasoning. Same. Let me let me let me reason with I, you here. Same, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> because in the Raimi movie, you know, he had the the. It's a cool mask. I mean, it's a cool costume, but the costume kind of took away one of Willem Dafoe's like biggest assets, which is his face and his facial features. Oh, that's not his biggest and asset. Faces. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and like the, the just like the expressions that he can make was that for for antichrist was it yeah, well, yes. <laughs> oh. uh. but no but no but like willem dafoe is just so menacing on his own without like having a creepy mask on and just the way he played it in this movie was i thought i thought it was just fantastic and actually i honestly Last time I saw Willem Dafoe so, like, maniacal and, like, absolutely insane looking was probably, like, The Lighthouse. And, like, it gave me Lighthouse vibes. Like, two years ago? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> that long ago, but but it, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, among I, other I things. think he's absolutely amazing. I love him. So, this was one of my uh, questions about the movie here, was that if they pull him from the moment they're going to die, like, right before they die... Why did Sp- the Spider Man age? Are they pulled from like they they're pulled later? Oh, yeah. I, I was curious about that. Why are they pulled later? And well, because <laughs> they didn't been, really. These guys that. have been dead. Oh, yeah, they maybe, probably because they've been dead, but the Spider Man have gone on living. Yeah, but then why are they pulled now at the point they're at? And <laughs> I <laughs> I, pre- I, just, I don't have an answer for you at the <laughs> yeah. moment. I think it's a good question. I... <laughs> It's just you're one of those tra- things I'm going to accept for the moment. <laughs> Look, you're trying you're trying to reason with a movie that introduces a mirror dimension and has like yeah. tears no, no, in that, the sky. No, that's a, that's a cop out. I, I disagree with that. They go through such lengths to explain they're here before their death. You know, you can't just be like, oh, you know, it's a superhero movie. There's no. Gotta, I hate that. I just don't yeah. think it was well explained and not thought out. No, I, I agree. So they are in uh, Happy's apartment, and Favreau really playing like nine different characters in this movie yeah. and i really liked it it was a different mood every single time and you know I, I applaud him it was good but they go back they're fixing up the serums and then uh-oh the green goblin appears again in norman he wants to make power it's very reminiscent of the there are a few elite that all the regular people lift up speech from the original spider-man he convinces some of the other villains to not take these serums, to rise up and uh, take full advantage of their powers. And so they break loose, and then we get maybe the most emotional scene of the movie in which, Matt, what happens? Aunt May gets waterboarded. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tyler, for putting that into my head. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, Aunt May, she dies at the hands of Green Goblin. Yes. Um, so this is Green Goblin really just has it out for May. I don't know what it is, but he really loves to attack ants that are named May. Well, he did it in the original Raimi trilogy. That's what I'm saying. 
He's just he's like, I really missed that. I gotta do it again. There aren't many Aunt Mays out there. I mean, just think, from Rosemary Harris to Sally Fields to Marissa Tomei, he keeps killing them so they'll get hotter in the next incarnation. <laughs> Let's not objectify our Aunt Mays. Does that, does that mean we're going to get Saoirse Ronan as the next Aunt May? All right, let's... I'm going to put a pin in this conversation. It was very sad. Um... Tom Holland, I thought, did a very good job of reacting to the death. I thought Marissa Tomei, who's really been great throughout all these movies, um, really stuck the landing on this scene. It was very emotional, and it, I thought, really set up the ending well. Um, but obviously, that didn't come for you know another hour and a half or whatever. Well, I, I agree. This was definitely one of the most emotional points in the movie. And Tom Apparently Holland definitely. Not. Bra- what do you mean? Apparently not. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, as far as emo- this is Tom Holland's probably second most emotional scene that he's done as Spider-Man. I gotta, I mean, I gotta give the first one to his dusting in Endgame. I mean, not Endgame, Infinity War. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, this one didn't quite tug at the heartstrings like that one did for me. But it was still very, like, Tom Holland was bringing his A-game for this. Yeah, that one was so full of panic, too. Um, yeah. If we're going to go on the flip side, I really like the scene where he finds out that he got the part in Cherry. Um, and he's just so joyous. So that <laughs> that one might be my favorite. <laughs> oh, God. That movie. All right, so that was kind of the end of the uh, second part, at least in my mind. These are arbitrary markings, but... Part three, this is, this is where it gets going, is that Ned discovers the ability to create portals, and he tries to call in Peter Parker, right? Because he just knows his best friend, Peter. And who do we get? Who comes through the portal? We get somebody in a Spider-Man suit, and he comes through, pulls off the mask. It's Jonathan Larson. It's Jonathan Larson. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jim Baker. aka it is andrew garfield it was so nice to see him he is to me having one of the best years one of one of my favorite performers of the years he's having a great run this year um and yeah our theater just erupted in applause Mm -hmm. and it's funny because that was like for arguably the worst spider-man and everyone's still freaking out and so excited. It was just the coolest thing. It's yeah. such an experience to even just be in the theater for that. It was. So I, I'm i just going to admit, I'm a bit of a grouch sometimes when I go to the movies. And I just, you know, for blockbusters, it's okay. But, like, it, it does annoy me when people are talking and all that kind of stuff. But for this, it was like, yeah, that really added to it. It was just a fun. We were all together having a good time, especially after, you know, the... the couple of years that we've all had it was nice to have that experience again mm-hmm. i haven't had anything like that since probably well at first i was thinking endgame but then someone pointed out to me that the rise of skywalker kind of had that experience too although obviously that was not as nearly as good of a movie mm. it, so we get andrew there's a funny scene with him having to prove himself as like this other universe spider-man to mj and ned and then there's another portal opened. And guys, 
I've been waiting about 14 years for this moment. <laughs> same, and same. Who steps out but Tobey Maguire himself, dressed not as Spider-Man for some reason. <laughs> the <laughs> church pastor, right? Yeah, like just boys. regular clothes. Thankful. What? Can you imagine how wild the theater would have gone if he had stepped out as emo Peter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have given a standing ovation, absolutely. It, or if they had opened the portal and he was doing his, his hip thrusting dance. <laughs> they should have. Oh, man. That would have been great. I, I was wondering, so like, especially for Andrew Garfield, so when the portal opens, was he the entire time he got pulled into that universe just stuck in that alleyway? Like, <laughs> yeah. looking, looking around? Well, you know that there was okay. There. <laughs> okay, that is that is one one is one little, I guess, nitpick question I had when I was thinking about this. Like, how did they just automatically figure out that they're in a different you know, like a different universe? Because that alleyway doesn't exist in his universe. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I've been walking all around this universe. It's not mine. I don't know what's going on. It's like, <laughs> there's not an alley behind Macy's in my universe. <laughs> what is going on here? But again, I think I think that's just kind of thinking too much into it. I mean, it's a superhero movie. You gotta suspend your disbelief to a point. Yeah, I I agree. But he comes through. That was I. I don't clap in movies often, but this was the one time that I clapped, and it, it, it was wonderful. That's a mild way of saying you stood up, took your shirt off, and started waving it around your head like woo. <laughs> Yeah, well, really, I had a terrible towel, and I'm not even a Steelers fan. I just need something to wave around. But they go, and they meet up with our current Peter Parker, who I don't know how we're going to demarcate these guys from for the rest of the pod, but we'll say Tom Holland. Yeah, I think we just go by their, their real names. Yeah. They, uh, they meet up with Tom Holland. They talk about the losses that they've had. Um Toby talks about Uncle Ben. Andrew Garfield talks about losing Gwen, which is a really victorious moment later that they have. Um, and they all band together and decide to develop cures for their respective villains. I want to ask you guys, I'm going to pose the question now. What was your favorite callback line in this movie? I think I know what Tyler's is. Yeah, I'm something <laughs> of a scientist myself. <laughs> I just liked uh, I liked the Spider-Man point reenactment. Yeah, I because that I, was that was a very and they did it very because it wasn't like like they were standing across from each other. They were just like kind of in the same general area, and I liked that they just cut subtly through that one in. Yeah, like that I agree. that Peter this Peter which Peter? Yeah, it was fun. I love that. And it was organic too, and you could. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, you could tell that there was so much chemistry and camaraderie between the three of them it would not have worked nearly as well if there wasn't that feeling between them but there just was and i I was very happy with it well it's almost like a patching of the torch every time there's at this point since there's been three different spider-men you know that's true you know it's probably such a special role to all these guys even though tom holland has already been in like six movies by the time this (laughs) passing of the torch comes fun fact i read one time that I, I guess this might not be true, but I think it is. There is a, a species of spider that is named after Tobey Maguire. So that is what <laughs> you can get when you play Spider-Man. <laughs> That's I think awesome. my favorite, and it was probably just because of the delivery, 
when it's Toby and Andrew are together just like preparing for the battle mm-hmm. and Andrew's like, oh, what's wrong? And Toby, he's just so calm about it. He's like, my back. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, okay, so that, that, that kind of, didn't that kind of lead into the other thing where Andrew's like, Oh, you know, I'm I'm the I'm lame. I'm not that special. Yeah. And he's like, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, you're amazing. <laughs> it was the so interactions were just so good. <laughs> that was the best part of the movie when they started all like swinging together. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was yeah. on cloud ten. <laughs> it was just awesome. Uh, they have a fight and the Statue of Liberty. Um, we get this awesome moment where. MJ is in trouble. MJ is in Zendaya. MJ, who, like Gwen, is falling through. It's a very similar mission scene. And Andrew Garfield saves her in sort of the same fashion. And I thought that was a really great moment because um, it, it was such a revamp of like a movie that I didn't like that much. But I liked the moment. I gotta say, when the trailer came out and they showed her falling and and Tom Holland reaching, I'm like, Andrew Garfield's gonna save her. I knew that was coming. Uh, and then yeah. in the movie, it was it happened. still cool. Yeah. Well, like that, like like just the fact that these other two Spider-Men were in it. I think that was definitely like the best worst kept secret. It's like we all knew it was coming, but it that didn't diminish how awesome it was to actually see it unfold. Mm, I I totally agree. So they are able to cure. Uh, Electro, Lizard, who we we were just like, oh yeah, he's here. <laughs> he's in the there. truck, he got out, Lizard. <laughs> and Sandman, we finally get to see Thomas Hayden Church, uh, which I was happy with. I was still baffled by his non-appearance throughout the movie. Maybe there are reasons for that. Uh, we have Doctor Strange returning. He is P.O.'d. But Norman Osborn a.k.a. Green Goblin, a.k.a. some mesh of both, destroys the spell that is going to send them back to their realms. And then we have this final battle. Do you guys think, if not stopped, that Tom Holland's Spider-Man would have killed Norman Osborn? I think they definitely wanted us to feel that way. I, um, it, I, I think he would have, just because of the fact that, I mean, he's relatively like his character still relatively immature and probably didn't doesn't isn't quite at the point where he can rationalize those feelings so he probably would have done something impulsive like he like it looked like he was going to i think he was just waiting for permission from iron man to do it like he (laughs) (laughs) i can't do this unless iron man says it's okay (laughs) no i i do think he was going to absolutely um I, I think they did well in showing that he he was like really overcome with like because i mean they gave him the whole speech of like hey you can't let this happen in the moment he is just ready to do it because like you know he just lost ma like even with as the rationalization went through he was just like i can get revenge right now yeah i um I forgot what i was gonna say give me a second you know what I was gonna say? What? The reason that Peter Part or uh, Tobey Maguire's MJ isn't there is because Doctor Strange was too busy harassing her. Yeah, that's true. She's but, too busy playing the pian- Panano. The Panano. <laughs> yeah. Let's please listen to our our Power of the Dog episode. It was paired with the French Dispatch. What do you guys think Norman was was thinking as he was about to get stabbed to death by his glider again? You think he was like, oh come on. 
Well, he didn't know about that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. He didn't know. He's like, you think this will kill me? I don't know. (laughs) Is he like Oedipus? Is he just fated to get stabbed to death by his glider (laughs) no matter what? (laughs) If he just makes his glider without pointy things on the end, he's fine. You know, I wish wish he would have gotten stabbed and been like, don't tell Harry. And and then (laughs) they're like, Harry. And then, and then he just, and then like uh, he just hands him a picture of Tim Chalamet. This kid, this guy right here. Don't tell him. No, that's. Oh, please don't ruin my fun. Yeah, why would Harry not be alive? Wouldn't Harry be alive? Wait, yeah, I thought Harry survived. That 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 didn't make I mean, sense he, to me. He would no, have been Harry... alive at that moment too. Or no, I mean <laughs> with that green girl. Yeah. No, but they said something like Harry, like, tried to kill him or something. And then he died, but Harry didn't. Harry was on his side at the end of Spider-Man Three. Yeah, Harry dies at the end of Three, but like yeah, but if, he was a if good, Norman was... comes back from earlier, then wouldn't Harry? Yeah, also be able to come. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just it wondering. It would have been incredible if he's like, uh, you know, I just want to see my son, and he like, like walks out, and he's like, oh, my son, and it's Dane DeHaan. And he's like, who the heck yeah. is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, they certainly couldn't bring back James Franco. Yeah. I also don't think Norman Osborn has ever said, I want to see my son. He's a, he's a pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty poor father. True. All right, so Toby stops Tom Holland from stabbing Norman Osborn. Uh, they cure him. And then we get to the tough moment. Well, I, I'll ask this first. Is it implied? Is I'm assuming Toby is going to be fine. The Toby Peter Parker is going to be fine. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. They kind of yeah. just brushed it off, like as a joke mm-hmm. towards the yeah. like, "Oh, are you in pain? Yeah, a lot of pain." <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I, I I'm not mad at it. I, I love Toby, as we will see later. Um, we get to this tough moment where Peter and Stephen Strange realize that they have to erase everyone's memory of who Peter Parker is, so he will have no one in the universe will know him i don't know if this means that like his social security card is going to be erased if he's going to be a non-individual in the state of new york uh but regardless all his loved ones are not going to know him and he goes through with it how did you guys feel during the final moments with ned and mj i i thought it was definitely very emotional i i like i felt I felt really bad about it. Um, it didn't. I mean, I wasn't sobbing. I don't know if that means I don't have a heart or what, but like, I mean, I thought it was played well, but it wasn't the strongest emotional moment for me. I mean, I just it was just an empty feeling. Was that not that you sobbing on my shoulder? <laughs> no, um, I'm not no. Sure that was. Um, it was the guy that was coughing two rows behind us. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God, no, don't tell me that. So I was kind of, like, disappointed at first about it, but then uh, well, I'll talk later after after the end and I'll wrap up thoughts about it. But um, I, I kind of wasn't that big a fan of Ned Leeds' character, personally. Um, so I was fine with that. I get the, the, the arc without MJ is going to be interesting. But um, I think it was uh, well done, uh, which I'll explain later. Um, yeah, so are they gonna bring Gwen Stacy in then? That, Since yeah. there's no MJ, maybe. 
Well, I think I think it's kind of like a classic Spider-Man that scene where like he sacrifices his own happiness just because you know they're in MIT, they could be happy, they don't have to worry about him. So I think that was well done, and like that is characteristic of Spider-Man to be like, yeah, I'll walk away rather than try mm-hmm. to get back what he because he, he when he had it, look how much he failed with it. So yeah, I think it was definitely well done. Yeah, when he goes into the donut shop, I really didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and, like, as the scene went on, I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to put that note away and walk out. And I really liked it, though, because we see him meeting with Happy at May's grave. Obviously, Happy doesn't know who he is anymore, um, which, you know, it was, it was tough to see. That was really sad. And then we see him getting a new home. And I, I personally am very excited for the possibilities that are set up by this ending for future movies. Spider-Man for a new home, <laughs> a new, a home. new home, <laughs> Spider-Man episode for, a I kind of wish they had brought Mr. Dickovich back for that, that part to be the landlord. Yeah. That would have been nice. <laughs> you give me rent at first of the month. <laughs> How about Spider-Man for home sweet home alone? <laughs> yes. Oh, get out of here with that. <laughs> Boo. It's it's where Peter he wants he wants an orange soda from Vulture, but Vulture's like ah, oh, there's a lot of sugar in this, and then they beat each other up. You know what? I saw a meme today. I think So Wizard po- shared it or some someone. Yeah, I think it was So Wizard. They that um, it was basically like like can you just make everyone forget what Mysterio said? And he's like sure, and then end credits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The MCU, you know, I, you, just, you have to have a certain level of buy-in, I guess. The time travel stuff in Endgame is, you know, it, it's fine for me if you don't you know, analyze it too much. It's You know, that's a good point. We had a whole freaking Avengers movie about time travel, so I guess... Not only a Avengers movie, the Avengers movie. Yeah. It's, I, I'm fine with it. I, it's, it's fine. And I'm a not big gonna... purple Grimace-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> Grimace... Is it possible Grimace is the next big bad? <laughs> it's a team up between Grimace and Flat Stanley for the next phase of Marvel. <laughs> that, that was a that was a joke that was thrown in I think Infinity War though. Peter Quill oh, said yeah. it. Oh yeah, you're right. You know that guy has a good voice. They should make him voice like every animated character going forward. Yeah, every Italian plumber <laughs> or Orange Cat or Orange Cat. Is he doing both? Yes. He yeah, he's doing Garfield. Oh, what? I'd <laughs> rather Garfield than Mario. <laughs> they should just have Andy Garfield be Garfield. He'd yeah. kill it. Yes, he would. I, I, I'm there for I'm there for anything he does now. All right. We get to the best scene, which is the mid-credits <laughs> scene. I agree. I, this, Not for the reason you would think, though. This made me so happy because we have Tom Hardy in some sort of tropical bar on the beach. And... Even this two minutes that he was sitting there talking everything out was too much for me. I'm like, eh, enough. Agreed. He was. I can't I, stand the Venom Har- Tom Hardy uh, like relationship. It's not well done. There's no like, chemistry. I can't stand it. We don't even see Venom. Am I correct? Well, we see the little symbiote at the end, but we yeah. don't see the the Tom Hardy Venom, right? No. We just hear the. <laughs> <laughs> 
and him like mumbling. And I'm like, enough of this. So like like all the other villains throughout the movie, he starts to vanish in this sort of white light. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, yes, thank you. And then when they left the symbiote behind, that was like, okay, they can do another Venom. Thank you. Can we finally get a good Venom here, please? Yeah, so for Grace is going to come back. Yeah. It really made me curious. Better than Tom Hardy. For the future. What did you say, Tyler? It makes me curious because, like, how is Morbius going to be handled then? So they just, like, be like, he's going to stay as far away from Spider-Man because they're keeping him <laughs> in the, the Tom Hardy universe. Like, so is it just like he's not gonna touch Tom Holland? Stay Wait, is, out. He, is, is he in the Tom Hardy universe though? Because well, they mentioned Venom multiple times in the trailer. They're well, like right, that but, event in San Francisco. Well, yeah, but no one actually ever like called Venom Venom besides like Tom like Tom Hart Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock and like his immediate circle. Fair enough. Like, no one else knows that Venom is called Venom, and that they did reference the events, though, so it is odd. But is there is Vulture in both? So who knows? I'm very confused. <sighs> yeah, this was well, mentioned before, but I and I agree. I wouldn't mind if Michelle Williams was the next Venom, but with good <laughs> writing, and not like her seductive, weird Venom thing that she was doing. You want in sexy Venom? venom? <laughs> no, I don't. No, thank you. Not as he's, uh, Cletus is biting guy's thumbs and not recognizing it as blood. Right, and then the second one, the, the post credit scene, is basically just a Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer. It is just a trailer, which is odd. but right, Cool. For me, that's, that's a discussion for another day. It looks cool. <laughs> that's all I got to say about it. Yeah. And you know, I just thought of a very glaring omission we, we had here about another Easter egg with major MCU implications that we didn't even touch about at all yet. The Daredevil thing? Yeah, Matt Murdock. Yeah. Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Kind of a, a letdown of a cameo, because they're just like, hey, your legal troubles are done. <laughs> like, oh, okay. He's a good lawyer. What more What more do you need? I mean, it's like the, it's like the Kingpin cameo in the last episode of Hawkeye. Yeah, but that was done because of teasing more. This just he appeared to just be well, like, hey, we I'm don't know it's teasing more yet. We'll I'm sure out. there's gonna be more, but I'm just saying, like, it could have been such a cooler introduction to the MCU. I, I was fine with it. I mean, I'm glad because it's a Spider-Man movie, not a Daredevil movie. No, I'm not saying he has to be Daredevil. I'm just saying it could have been a lot cooler scene. Like his introduction could have been cooler than just like him, like your legal troubles are over. Like, if it was in court or something, and it just showed him walk in, that would have been a much a cooler scene, and then it could have cut to, oh, your legal Tyler, trouble's if over. you've ever been in legal trouble, you know that <laughs> getting out of it is the best feeling that there has ever been. I, I get that. I think, it's just I think that's scene. what they were going for. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it at least deserved a mention, still. Yeah, so I, I want to emphasize it again, just from the three Spider-Men on, this was just... One of the rides of the year. It was just awesome, incredible. What are you guys' final thoughts on this before we move to the future? I will say I do agree with ODPH about that it it did kind of start out a little slow, yeah. like the first hour or so. I, I I'm I'm I was looking at all like the humor they put in there, which I thought I liked the humor in it throughout the movie. I enjoyed it personally, but I know people like to rank on the MCU for being putting too much humor in the in the dialogue and stuff and i'm like oh god you know 
pe- people are going to rip this movie apart if it keeps up like this. And that's, I think, right about when Aunt May died is when that really shifted the tone. Um, you know, and really made you realize that it's not just your your average, like, goofy, not goofy, but, you know, punny, witty MCU film, you know? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I, the first hour does keep me from, like, saying this is a total 10 out of 10, but the, the rest of the stuff really puts it over the top. Tyler, what are your final thoughts? So I think this one suffered from the same problem that I think almost all the Tom Holland MCU entries suffered from, and I think a lot of the MCU as a whole, is that he was almost too reliant on other characters throughout, and I think that is the problem of the MCU when you intertwine so many stories. You have to keep bringing stories in, but I'm I, like, where I said like narratively, I didn't, like, if, if the Spider-Man weren't in it, this would have been a lot different movie. Like, I feel like the nostalgia and stuff of it carried it for a lot of it. Like, uh, imagine if they didn't come in, how uh, would this movie be as good? Or if, like, they never brought in the older movies at all and just had this story with, like, new characters of I gotta fix them. I don't think it would have been as great a story. So that's why I think narratively it wasn't that great. The fan service worked well. But I think it was kind of like an excuse just to bring back the old Spider-Man to bring this. I will say that I think the best thing they did was the ending because they created a uh, blank slate for him, you know, kind of distance him from the Avengers side of the MCU because now, like, if there's a threat, you don't have to be like, well, why is Spider-Man not there? Um, Because they don't know who he is. So I think they did get a good out. I think Spider-Man has, like, the I think the only hero that, uh, comic book hero that rivals his villains are Batman. He's got such a great gallery. He can have his own universe of movies that would keep have tons of villains and keep people entertained. So I think it's good that they finally gave him his own, like, I think, because I think he announced that it's, like, college years, the next trilogy. Oh. Hmm. I so I think you'll, that. yeah, that's what, that's what he said, I, I think, a couple weeks before this came out. So oh. I think you can bring in Harry Osborn, you could bring in Gwen Stacy. Um, I'm we sure. Have to... I'm what? sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sure we'll, they'll bring in Venom, because, you know, the symbiote was left behind. So I think it's definitely interesting to get him his own area where, but you can have him come back in the MCU. You left that door open. But well, I think as long as we bring in Tim Chalamet, I I, I imagine he's probably going to be Harry Osborn. I feel like that's coming. I, I feel like he'd like, be better as Venom, though. <laughs> really, you think t- Tom Holland or Tom Holland, Tim Chalamet would make a good Eddie Brock slash Venom? I mean, better than the last two. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I don't. I don't... I hope that they do what they did in the Raimi movies, which I can apply that to every aspect of any Spider-Man movie. But I I don't want to see a bunch of college stuff. I don't want to see Spider-Man with red solo cups in dorm rooms. I don't want any of that. Come on. But we, what we do need is Tim Chalamet doing his best Paul Atreides as Eddie Brock. Uh yeah, I'm sure that'll be fantastic. <laughs> but T- Tyler, I, I, what do you think about? He's gonna that? put his hand in the box, Why? and the symbiote's gonna be in the oh, box. Do you, want, do you want Paul Atreides from Dune as? I, I don't want Paul Atreides anywhere near my MCU <laughs> movies. Yeah, I, I think I think what the MCU went wrong though with the Spider-Man was making him like Iron Man Junior. So I'm glad he's standing alone from that now. Yeah, I like, I was so glad that this was the one movie where I didn't have to hear Mr. Stark. Yeah, like I hated the nano suits. <laughs> I just did not find that that cool. It was nice for like the, 
um, like the Endgame suit, uh, no, Infinity War suit. I thought that was cool, but after that, I'm just like, I'm sick of this nanotech yeah. stuff. I'm a little done with, and I don't mean this as a, I thought this was bad. I just think it's time to move on. I'm a little done with, I'm spider. I'm little Spider-Man, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm ready to move on from that. Not that he's not going to have challenges and character or setbacks and all that stuff, but like, I, I guess I'm just ready for... Uh, something else I and like you guys said I do like that this he could have a universe of its own when he entered the MCU it's been great I have to totally admit um, but I, I do kind of just want like a Spider-Man in New York movie again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll get that though I'm sure that's what they're going for with that ending I hope so yeah I think they did it as tastefully as they could so now Disney and Sony can divorce if they want to and well, it won't uh, be such a jarring difference. Uh, we've gotten multiple reports. Feige has said that they're working with Sony on another one. Um, I think Amy Pascal said previously that there were going to be like three more films, but she kind of backtracked on that. So <laughs> it, it's fine. I don't need a confirmation of another film two days after this one comes out. But you know, there's there's been differing reports. Why? That's what they did with Dune. Yeah, I'm I'm all set with that one. <laughs> I mean, most people didn't know that. There was meant to be a sequel anyway. You just got in there and you're like, Dune Part 1? Oh, okay. I didn't buy a ticket to Dune in... Part 1, but okay. And then you slog through that entire film and you're just like, oh, okay, why? <laughs> I have to sit through another one of those. Oh, my God. But those are our thoughts on Spider-Man. Any final thoughts, fellas, before we move on? I think I'm going to save the rest of my thoughts for the next segment because... Um, they're not really to do with this movie specifically. It's more about their Spider-Man movies in general. All right, I can't wait. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back, and we are going to rank the other live-action Spider-Man films. Stick with us. All right, we're back ranking all the other live-action Spider-Man films. I personally wish that we could do a whole series on this, but this will have to do for now. Who knows? Maybe in the future. We did a collective list. We have our own personal list, which maybe we can discuss. But we made a, collect- a collective list. Matt, can you explain how we did that? Yes, yeah, so we borrowed this method from our friends over at So Wizard Podcast um, for their ranking. So basically what they did is they each took their individual lists and where they ranked, and we scored the movies based on how they ranked on each person's list. And then basically our list, our master list is based on the descending order of highest score to lowest um, so like worst movie would have the highest score, low, best movie had the lowest score, which, um, basically breaks down. It broke down almost exactly the same as our individual lists with a few, um, I guess a few upsets or a few deviations, but I think it's pretty representative of the general consensus of these movies anyway, but it's still a fun thing to do. Um, we're also, we did not include Spider-Verse in this. We're going to do an honorable mention, but because it's not part of the main MCU canon, which No Way Home really pretty much primarily pulls from, uh, we decided to just do an honorable mention about that. So I don't know if we want to discuss that first. What do you think, Mike? I will just say that I think that movie is phenomenal. When I saw it, I was 
both shocked and blown away by the creativity, the animation. We haven't gotten to talk about it much, unfortunately, um, but we're still a new show. I'm a big animation freak. I love it. I love different styles. I love to see what artists can come up with. And this was certainly one where I was just wowed by the visuals, the storytelling, the voice acting. Every aspect of Spider-Verse is just incredible. I just want to add, I agree with everything you said, um, but I still will just go to YouTube and type in the what's up danger scene. And I, every time I watched, I get goosebumps. I think it was so perfectly done. And there's so few scenes that I can say that about like every time I just like get so pumped for it. So I definitely, we definitely needed to shout that out. Oh, for sure. Especially because this is really the first time they were able to test out the, the multiple Spider-Man in one universe formula. And I mean, I don't. I, there's no way they. I, I think there's no way that they would have banked on bringing Andrew and Toby back had this movie not been such a massive success. It's a good point. Yeah, totally. As for our live action rankings, coming in dead last at number eight is Spider-Man Three. <laughs> Um, I would not have put this dead last, and you guys are going to hear me defend it a little bit. This is directed by Sam Raimi with a screenplay by Sam Raimi, Ivan Raimi, and Alvin Sargent. Um, In this one, Peter wants to marry Mary Jane, um, but he's not listening to her very much. She is fired from her Broadway show. He is just kind of brushing her off. He's not being a very good boyfriend, and there's a ton of other stuff which I want to talk about and defend a little bit. But generally, what do you guys think? Why did you guys... Because you guys personally had this one dead last, and I want to know <laughs> I, why. So I just want to bring up a couple points. So first of all, you know a movie's never good when it like destroys the relationship between the director, the actors, <laughs> and the producers. You know, uh, even uh, uh, Sam Raimi hated this movie and <laughs> refused to do any more because it was going so off the rails with the yeah. scripts. Um <laughs> So, but I just want to say, like, they forced too many villains into it. The whole emo Peter arc, terrible. I, I don't have, I, you, you can defend it, but I don't think there's that much redeeming about it. And I'm not surprised it killed the franchise there. Topher Grace's Venom single-handedly could have done that. <laughs> so bad. Matt, I, go ahead. Well, yeah, I, I'm going to back pretty much everything Tyler said. But I will say, um, there were, there were parts in it that could have worked in a better movie. And I do think they, you know, Sam Ian I thought was pretty good besides the whole him killing Uncle Ben thing. I thought that was unnecessary. Other than just, oh, that's why he's there. But, um, yeah. You know, there were bits and pieces to like about it. I, I'm not going to dunk on the emo Peter scene as much as, uh, as much as Tyler. Um, so I'm the biggest defender of this movie, and I'm going to spend at least a couple of minutes in a couple of minutes here dunking on that scene. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it also, I mean, okay, if nothing else, if nothing else about this movie, what you got to give it is it does have one of the best Stan Lee cameos, hands down. Yeah, I think it has the best Stan Lee cameo. Yeah. So, I mean, it sucks that you got to sit through a two and a half hour crappy movie to get to it. Well, not the whole movie. I don't movie, think it's but... all bad. No, it, there are parts. There's, I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard as Gwen Stacy could have been cool if they had had another movie that fleshed her out a bit more, other than just being like a damsel in distress and like creating that sort of rift between Peter and MJ. Um, you know, there were there were parts that weren't all bad, but it definitely did not age well either. No, 
I, I will say, I just want to say real quick, I'm going to give my defense this movie. Mr. Dickovich, a good character. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. exactly. <laughs> they should have brought him back in No Way Home. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there are some good things about this. That, And Matt, I will piggyback on your point that a lot of these setups would have been a lot better had they just been handled in a, in a better way, in a more effective way. Mm-hmm. They weren't. I think the, the first scene between Peter and Goblin Jr. is actually quite good. Um <laughs> I think the the action in the Ramy in the Ramy trilogy is the best in my mm-hmm. opinion. I like that. However, it does lead to Harry getting amnesia. Oh, that which... was terrible. I hated that. Here's what was bad about that. <laughs> when he gets amnesia, he asks like, I don't know how much his memory is affected cuz they go back to his house and first of all, for like a minute or like 20 seconds, it turns into a sitcom from 1993. Because they're like, remember when we tried out for the varsity basketball team? Yeah, we were terrible, but we did it for the cheerleaders, right? And I'm like, I don't, what, who allowed this? Also, I like, then, that, I like that the butler just didn't say crap until the end of the movie when he's like, oh yeah, uh, by the way, yeah. your dad killed himself. Bernard, Spider-Man you, you hit the nail on Bernard's head, okay? <laughs> Bernard, why didn't you say this two movies ago? <laughs> that you knew that Norman technically killed himself, that Spider-Man didn't kill him. You never said anything in all of Harry's grief, and you were silent, Bernard? You deserve to be fired. Yeah, Harry, he forgot. Harry got disfigured. He just forgot. His face got disfigured because of that, because he was fighting Spider-Man because he thought Spider-Man killed his dad. Bernard, I'm disappointed yeah. in you. Oh, I meant to tell you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And then I believe Harry says, well, I guess I'm not too bad off for money. You don't remember that you're rich? You've been rich your whole life. And like you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm pretty rich. <laughs> he's happy to pay Doc Ock's bills in the previous movie. Like, he's obviously... Yeah, I, I guess so. Goblin Jr. breaks up Peter and Harry, we have the Venom storyline, which I don't know why the meteor from outer space just happens to land three feet from the one humanoid spider superhero in this on the planet. He's like right there. I feel like that could have been set up better. Um, I do like the look of Venom in this movie. And I guess it does lead to Dark Peter, which, you know, <laughs> we have we have that to thank. He's going to put some dirt in your eye. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. We have Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman. Unpopular opinion. I kind of like Sandman. I think Thomas Hayden Church has always had something, at least in this role, like very like innocent in his face, which... I, I don't know. It's it's just something that I perceive. It, it might not be there for anybody else, but I think it goes with the character of, like, he's really not, like, a bad-intentioned man. He just keeps making all these really bad choices for a noble-ish purpose. No, I, I, I agree with that. But, again, but that comes back to my point that they didn't need to insert him into the Uncle Ben plot, into the Uncle Ben thing. Like, that was not as They could have written him in, in a dozen different ways. Yeah, they could. I think it was kind of interesting, the debate of does Spider-Man kill people? Because, you know, I can understand if he found out who his killer is. And this is shown in the first movie, too, um, that he gets the urge to kill the person who killed Uncle Ben. And then, you know, we get Aunt May saying, well, I'm not really sure why you would do that. 
So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing, but like you said before, it just it just didn't get all the way to to effective. All right, are you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> Dark Peter. This is around the time that MJ and Harry kiss, which I again another thing. I'm not sure why why that needed to be, why they needed to flip omelets in a scene, why they needed to have like this Annie Hall <laughs> lobster that thing. Yeah. Um, this starts out with the fight with Harry. The Are you going to cry? <laughs> and then it, it goes into I love that. him demanding cookies with nuts from Ursula. <laughs> and I have to ask the question, who is Ursula? It's Like, who is she as a woman? It's Mr. Dickovich's daughter. I know that. But why why is she used as a puppet? Give her her own story. <laughs> She's so kind and sweet and just was... nice in every single way. Give her her own thing. Yeah, you know what would have made this a better movie? If there was one more story, <laughs> one more character had a story in it. I, I think she deserved it. If they were going to do it, they needed to go all the way. Uh, dirt in their eye, when he says, I'm going to put dirt in your eye, he was talking to the audience, is who he was talking to. <laughs> Because he has the haircut, and that's okay. As somebody who has had bad hair before, it happens. He's hitting on Elizabeth Banks. I Is Elizabeth Banks, her character, charmed by this odd-looking Peter Parker? I don't think so. I don't think so. Then we get his feet up on J. Jonah Jameson's desk, who just sits there and takes it. Very out of character. I don't think he was intimidated by Dark Peter. And then we have him walking down the street, the finger guns. I don't know how they cast extras for this scene. They're like, oh, get every hot woman in New York and have her walk down the street. And he'll just go, bang, bang, gotcha, let me do a spin. And then he walks into the store, comes out with a brand new look. He's all in black. And then he's doing some hip thrusting, some hands in the air. I don't, stop standing in the doorway and dancing. There are other people trying to enter the building. I know your rude is like your M.O. right now, but that is crossing the line. Get out of the doorway. So it's how bad it's a bad boy. <laughs> so I th- I think um I think something that might be fun. Um, we should set like a milestone that we want to hit for this podcast, and if we reach that milestone, we have to make a TikTok and we all have to reenact those dances. I don't know why you would say that on air. And... <laughs> how oh, about five hundred followers? Okay, five hundred followers on Twitter. I- I'm yeah. down. I'll do it. All right, walking down the street, dancing. He cut, and once he's done dancing, he crab walks away. <laughs> he can't just walk away. He's he's got to do this weird jig. And then we have the scene at the jazz lounge where he goes with Gwen Stacy, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, doing the most that she can because she can't do much. And I don't mean that about Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean the part that she was given. Mm-hmm. She can't do much. They had shared their scene earlier where um, he does the kiss with. That he had previously done with MJ. MJ's upset about that. This is after Peter and MJ have broken up. So Peter goes to the lounge with Gwen. But when MJ goes to sing, Peter is suddenly playing the piano, which leads me to this very important question. Did Peter Parker always know how to play the piano? Or did he suddenly learn when he turned into Spider-Man? Or does Venom 
the alien symbiote know how to play the piano, and thus Peter absorbed those piano-playing powers when he took on the dark suit. Which is it? So the spider that bit him, like, fixed his vision. You don't think it just gave him, like, piano playing? <laughs> right. Double time. Like, I don't... When is he finding time to practice the piano? I don't get... Suddenly, he's Liberace. He's Spider-Man Liberace. I don't get this. Then he's doing a dance. He's doing a big spin in the air. And there's a close-in on his mouth. And he goes... Now dig on this. And he starts snapping. He's thrusting the hips. An extra says in the audience, Oh, that's hot. No one in the universe, in the multiverse, thought that this was hot. Tommy McGuire's wife did not think that this was hot. Stop it. This is the worst thing that's ever been put to film. That's a bold take, but I'm not going to That might be a little exaggerating, but as somebody who loves the Raimi films deeply, it hurt. <laughs> and it hurt 14 years later. Even worse. <laughs> so, that's Spider-Man 3. Are you ready to move on to the next one? I know mm-hmm. I said I was going to defend that film, and then I just completely <laughs> lambasted it. Yeah, no. <laughs> I do think a lot of the setups are good. And I enjoy it. I, I do enjoy it more than the next two films, and I will give the reason why. I just have a question. Do you think it would have been better had they made the fourth film that they were originally going to make? Yeah. I would have at least had another film. But even Sam Raimi signed off because of how bloated and nonsensical the script was. <laughs> I could have talked to him. Well, said, hey, Sam. Let's start a petition. We got a petition for Amazing Spider-Man 3 going around. Oh, it's done. I apologize to anybody listening to this who had me directly in their ears and I was yelling. I'll I'll, I'll I'll do what I best to adjust the volume in post. <laughs> Turn it up more. Yeah. <laughs> People need to know that this that this really hurts. Very urgent. All right, our number seven. Uh, this is a a bit of a flip flop with us personally, but we're all around the same. Our number seven is the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Hmm. This is the second Andrew Garfield film from 2014. Uh, for me personally, these are pretty even. It's very like minor details that separate them. Uh, this is directed by Mark Webb, written by James James Vanderbilt, Jeff Pinkner, Roberto Ozzi, and Alex Kurtzman. What do you guys think of the Amazing Spider-Man Two? Well, I did say that there were going to be some upsets, um, and I think this not this one not coming dead last could be considered somewhat of a an unexpected upset. Um, mostly my fault because I'm like you rated this. What did you rate this dead last? Yeah, you rated, rated this, this dead, dead last. last. Tyler rated it seven. I rated it a six. Um, which. Pretty much, I like this better than, uh, obviously, my, I think uh, Spider-Man 3 was my dead last, and I actually liked this one better than the first Amazing Spider-Man. Um, Fair. I, I, also, I just watched it again recently, and it was actually my first time watching it all the way through, and like Spider-Man 3, I think there were parts to it that would have been better had they been handled differently. Cast a different Harry Osborn. Get rid of the whole rhino sequence. <laughs> yeah, that could have been taken out. I, I I have stuff to say about that when you're done. Um, the electro just looked too too Doctor Manhattan-y. <laughs> like like you said, Tyler. Um, 
I did like what they tried to do with his character, though. Just, it just was not handled the best. But the whole, I, I loved um, Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. I, I, I was buying that. I was, I was, I enjoyed that. And her death scene was very emotional for me in this movie. Mm. With that said, it was definitely way too long. It didn't need to be as long as it was. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure you guys have your own gripes, which I will probably agree with at this point. I said, but I did want to point out that there were, there was some merit to it. And I think if they had gotten a third movie, they could have probably stuck a landing, or at least not stuck a landing, but they probably could have, they could have made up for it or, or fixed some things. Like they had time to fix, to fix things. Yeah, so, I mean, I second a lot of what you said. Um, I think the writing was just atrocious for this movie, and I think one of the, like, the, the rhino scene just kind of, like, the just from the beginning. Um, I hated rhino in this. I hated when he's like, I'm Alexi, whatever, as he's driving down the thing. And then Spider-Man jumps on, he's having a conversation with him as he's plowing through traffic. He ends up, like, killing, like, a bunch of people by smashing through cars while spider-man's like oh i'm gonna save this save uh electro over here instead of the cars i could have stopped this car as soon as i started this conversation hanging on the window i like i just just everything in that movie was bad but i just didn't like rhino was horrible i didn't like the portrayal of electro i thought it was a cool setup of like hey spider-man saved me and then like it was just like ah no he's bad because now i'm bad he doesn't want me to have electricity so <laughs> i thought that wasn't handled well um, I hated the look of, as I mentioned earlier, the Dr. Manhattan look of Electro. I know you can't do the original. I, I get it. That's not going to translate to movies. But you can, I mean, even the f uh, No Way Home suit was a lot cooler. It was a grounded take on. I, I'm not saying you need the, the suit. I'm just saying, like, why are you making him like a blue blob of electricity? <laughs> With good teeth. Yeah, his teeth immediately get fixed too. I didn't I didn't get that. <laughs> but yeah, and also just falling in the electric eels is just a ridiculous scene. <laughs> just gets electrocuted and falls into eels. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I I won't dig into this as much as Spider-Man 3. Um I don't think I have pretty much the same thoughts on the Amazing Spider-Man 2 and 1. They're not these movies aren't terrible by any means, but there's just like a lot of dragging. And Andrew Garfield, as much as I love him, I, I just don't think worked as Peter Parker. I could just never figure out who this guy was. Mm -hmm. um, I do think he did a, a an amazing job in in the new movie No Way Home, but in these ones, I, I just wasn't feeling them. Um, I just felt like there was never a totally cohesive character. Rhino might be even worse than emo Peter. His <laughs> Dialogue sounds like it was recorded a mile away. I don't know what the ac accent is, and I'm I'm a big fan of Paul Giamatti. I think he's a great actor. I just I don't know. This was just a swing and a miss. I I don't get it. Well, I've Jamie Fox. Sorry, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, go. No, you go. I was gonna say, what I will say though. You you say you don't like Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker, and I agree with that. But one of the merits that I will give this movie, and it's a take that I've heard from other people as well, that. His Spider-Man is great. His Peter Parker, not so much. Yeah, like the, his Spider-Man scenes sure. were top-notch, especially when we start talking about the first Amazing Spider-Man. 
Like he had like yeah. his first real Spider-Man scene in that was fantastic. Yeah, I I really like Jamie Fox as Max. Um, not so much as Electro. I feel like once he's Electro, he's underused and just I don't I don't know why he's really there. It's not nearly as exciting as it should be. Uh, Emma Stone is really good in these movies. I love Emma Stone and everything that she's in. And the one interesting like emotional through line in this movie that we'll talk about even more when we get to one is like the Dennis Leary as Gwen's father makes Peter promise to keep Gwen out of all the Spider-Man stuff. And they find it hard because they're in love. Um, but he, you know, he made a promise to her father, but is that really her father's choice or is it Gwen's choice? I thought that was actually a really interesting debate and unfortunately it ends in Gwen's death, but I don't know. I just, I just go eh with these movies. They're not terrible, but they're just not that good. Uh, our next one after that, you may have already guessed is the amazing Spider-Man. The first one, this is from... 2012 uh this is directed by mark webb as well written by steve cloves alvin Sargent, and james vanderbilt we rated this a little bit higher matt i think you had two over one um but for me i'll just say quickly it's i really like martin sheen as uncle ben um his death scene is can no way outdo the original lizard might be the worst looking villain that they <laughs> have ever done it just it it looks terrible. Um, again, we get the promise at the end of this one, which really intrigued me a lot. And I, I thought this was like a pretty quick reveal to Gwen that he is Spider-Man. Like, I feel like he didn't really hold that secret for very long, which is okay. I'm fine with it. I just This one just edges out the second one a little bit more for me. Uh I, I gotta say, I was just thinking about it, and like I, I have a lot of the same gripes with them. I think what edges the second one to worse for me is the entire Peter's parents plot was <laughs> the mm. dumbest thing imaginable. Yeah, true. It was but sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but I think in this one, I think the suit is awful. I hated the suit in this one. The the weird color palette, like that's off. The yellow eyes, it looked terrible. And I think Lizard did look awful, I agree with that, but I think he was a better villain, like, more interesting than Electro, in my opinion, once Electro became Electro. Um, so that's kind of why I put it over. The conflict was, I think, better, in my opinion. But, and also, just to, to my gripe, which is the same about both movies, this one more, I suppose. Peter's supposed to be, like, this nerdy kid that's getting bullied, and I'm supposed to buy that Andrew Garfield is that, like, skateboarding Andrew Garfield is that role. Like, I, I never I never got that from him, like, that that's the guy who would get bullied. But they did, they did put more effort into explaining him being very intelligent and designing his own, like, web shooters and stuff. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. It was a different take, which I think was cool. It also had probably... One of the better Stanley cameos too, in this one, with the library scene. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I did enjoy I that. All right, we are moving on from Andrew Garfield and moving to Tom Holland. Our number five is Spider-Man: Homecoming. This is from 2017, directed by John Watson. A lot of writers at different stages. Watch Eric Summers, Chris McKenna, Christopher Ford, John Francis Daly. Jonathan Goldstein, what do you guys think of Spider-Man Homecoming? I liked Homecoming. Um, I definitely thought you didn't get that much Spider-Man from it. 
it definitely absolutely suffered from the too much Iron Man. Um, it didn't really feel like a standalone Spider-Man movie. Um, the action wasn't that good in my opinion, but I did like Vulture. I think the MCU does a good job of doing these modern takes on the villains that are really interesting, which we'll explain later when we talk about the other two in this. Um, well, I mean, we already talked about one, I suppose. But um, I, I think that that was the problem. It was too much an Iron Man shadow in that movie, and you didn't really see Spider-Man that much. So I don't think it worked that well as a standalone Spider-Man movie. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's definitely middling for me because I, just there, there, there are better Spider-Man movies. Like I like the other ones better than this one, so this one just by merit of the other ones being so good, this one kind of falls lower on the list. But, I mean, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is on full display. You really... I mean, you got a, a taste of it in Civil War. But then this one really lets him sort of give his full portrayal of Spider-Man as this younger, almost impressionable teenager who is relatively immature for like the role that he's been given as being Spider-Man and having these powers and being associated with the Avengers. I think it's really cool how they just how they had handled him in in like his first sort of outing like this. And the Vulture was fantastic as a villain and I like, you know, obviously the story relies heavily on the MCU at large. But even without all that, I think Michael Keaton was just fantastic. And the way they made the Vulture was fantastic in it. And definitely one of the best MCU villains, I will say, of all the MCU. Yeah, fair. I, I think this is a really good Peter Parker film. Um, incorporating sort of... we kind of, This is kind of the first time we get to know Tom Holland as, as Peter Parker, which I thought was cool. Um, I'll piggyback on your Michael Keaton comments. Always happy to see him. I think the reveal when he, he mm-hmm. shows up at the house and Michael Keaton is there. That really shocked me at the time. Um, he is a really great villain. And th- I don't know why, but this one left me with the question, are there just webs all over New York at all times? Like he's swinging these giant webs to go from the city and they have to just fall down. Are, are people walking around all the time with like, you know when you get that feeling where like you walk into a spider's <laughs> web and there's like that invisible and you're like, oh, it's just constant. It's constant. It's people like, why? Why? We'll take the we'll take the villains. Just make the web stop. <laughs> I hate walking into these yeah. things. I, I I guess not. I I guess it's all good. But I think we we all like the next one more. Oh, can I just say oh, one please thing go about ahead. this one? I just want to give this movie props for being like a kind of an origin story without having to show Uncle Ben's death. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think would have played Uncle Ben in the MCU? Uh, he'd have to be someone young enough. To have Marissa Tomei is a wife. Oh, so that's a good sure. one. Um, like McConaughey. Not, not. <laughs> it's it's actually George Costanza's Uncle Ben. There there was a tweet that, that was like, in my mind, this is the MCU, and it was just George Costanza with Marissa Tomei. <laughs> <laughs> this is the MCU Uncle Ben. That's funny. Yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, our next pick, number four, is Spider-Man Far From Home. This is the direct sequel from 2019. 
It was directed by John Watts, written by Eric Summers and Chris McKenna. Uh, I like this one a lot more. I really like the Europe stuff. The Venice scene in particular is really dazzling and cool. Mysterio is one of the more interesting villains in the MCU, especially for Spider-Man, I think. It has like an interesting take on... We talk about Tony Stark kind of being a shadow over this, and I think this movie actually uses it to cool effect um, because Mysterio is like a scorned employee of Tony Stark, and that's sort of his origin, which I thought was a really interesting take on things. The Mysterio sequence with all the visual tricks and stuff in the middle of it, which ends up with Spider-Man uh, being hit by the train. I thought I think that's one of the coolest sequences that the MCU has ever done. Um, I don't know if I've seen anything visually yet that matches it. And then part of the, the, that edges this out from Homecoming is a lot of the stuff, but also just Joe Jonah coming back mm-hmm. at the end. That was like <laughs> a special treat. So I, I like this one a bit more than Homecoming. What do you guys think? I, I totally agree. Um, as much as I loved Vulture as a villain, I love Mysterio more. Like, I've been a big Mysterio fan since before, even this movie. Ever since, like, playing the Spider-Man 2 movie tie-in video yeah. game. Like, that's about... I mean, I'm not a, a huge comic book person, so I'm, I don't know a whole lot about Mysterio from the comics. But, like, every representation I'd seen of Mysterio, I just I thought he was such a cool, cool villain. Like, even though he's goofy and, like, it's just funny and campy. But I like that they really modernized him and made him... Like, not not this, like, goofy, scorned actor or whatever, but, like, they gave him, like, a justifiable reason to be there. And the fact that they modernized him with, like, the Stark technology and stuff, I thought that was really cool. And I really enjoyed Jake Gyllenhaal in this role, too. Like, I, I enjoy Jake Gyllenhaal in most of the stuff he does. But um, I thought, as soon as I saw he was cast as Mysterio, I was so into it. I was so ready. Yeah, I totally agree. Tyler, what about you? I think you've guys pretty much said um, my thoughts on it. I agree with you both. I, I, I do just, I, I'm going to be the third one to say it, but I think the the way they modernized Mysterio was really cool, especially for the MCU, which has had a problem of kind of forgettable villains for a lot of their movies. So I think um, the, well, they, they hit two in a row in this series. Um, but it was, I, I just really think it was a cool, innovative way to make him not like a, a magic, like you said, Matt, goofy character. Like they took him, I mean, yeah, you get this Tony Stark again, but it, like you said, Mike, it worked. Um, so you get this kind of modernized, everything's like fictionalized from him. It's a really interesting take and I, I, I really actually dug it. Yeah. That is our, our number four, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, our number three. This is the original Spider-Man from 2002. Uh, This is directed by Sam Raimi, screenplay by David Kep. Uh, I know that Tyler and I would have rated this as the second best. Mm -hmm. Matt, you you slugged it behind, and that's cool. We're all for we're all in this together. Yeah, yeah. So, so you got you guys had um, you guys had this at what was it number two? You guys both had it number two. I put it at my number four because I enjoyed... I put Far From Home above this, and I put No Way Home above it. Um, because just... There's a lot to like about this movie, but I just... I liked the other ones better, objectively. And I, I kind of went into my reasoning why I 
how much I liked Green Goblin in No Way Home. I liked Green Goblin better in No Way Home versus this movie, which is a tough sell, I know, because this is he does Willem Dafoe does such a good job as Green Goblin in this movie. But I I do I mean it's tough for me to rank it as low as I did at the same time because I had the nostalgia factor of this being like the first superhero movie I remember seeing as a kid. Never seeing anything like that before. And just... I I, I know, I, I remember I saw it in theaters at least two or three times as a, as a kid. And it just really sticks with me. Um, so I'll always yeah. have a soft spot for it, but I did like the other the rest of our list better. I think that this movie is perfect from top to bottom. I rewatched it recently. I'm just like, there's just... There's not an ounce of fat on this movie. It's all amazing. Tyler, I want you to speak to it, though. What do you think of Spider-Man? I I think it was a really good Spider-Man. I think uh, Tobey Maguire was a perfect Peter Parker, like this nerdy kid that kind of gets these powers, doesn't really know how to use them. I think he portrays that well of, like, a Spider-Man who's just starting out. I think, honestly, like, one of the funniest scenes to me still to this day is when he's trying to figure out how to swing. (laughs) (laughs) True. I I just love that scene so much. I mean, Um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think like this, just how they handled um, Uncle Ben's death, I think was done a lot better than they ended up doing in uh, the Andrew Garfield ones. Um, you actually felt like, you know, the emotion for it and you felt like he was a- angry, trying to lash out, trying to find the killer. Um, I thought that was all handled well. So I definitely really liked this movie. I think Spider-Man 2 was even better, which is rare for a sequel, but I'll talk about that more next. Yeah, I, like you said, I think Tobey Maguire absolutely kills it as this nerdy teen. I love that when he's trying out the webs, he think that it he thinks that it like requires a voice command. <laughs> go web, go, go web. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, I I have a question in the beginning, and this is not me griping on the film. I'm just wondering who let who in the spider lab let the spider out? Why is the spider just loose? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've always been curious about that, but I think he does an amazing job uh, as this this really reserved person. This movie is so much all about like being afraid to admit to your dream, to admit what you really want. Um, I do want to talk about Kirsten Dunst as MJ, who I think in another actor's hands, this role would not have been nearly as great as it is. Um, because perhaps it is a little underwritten at times, but she just imbues this this humanity, this drive. She just refuses to be knocked off the screen. Every time she's on it, the focus is on her. The emotional weight is on her. And I, I just want to give her all the props in the world. And I want to say it even more when we get to, to number two. Uh, James Franco is Harry Osborn. I feel like we don't talk about harry osborne as much but i think he's a super interesting character as like this person who has it all but he's so like emotionally bankrupt you know he has mj who's really in love with peter he has his father who really likes peter more he has his best friend who is keeping this major secret from him and we see that like he just has trouble relating to other people there's a scene where um MJ and Harry are fighting and he's calling her to make up for something and he goes I want to buy you something 
Like that was his honest effort to try to like make him an emotional connection between them, right? That's kind of it seems to be all he knows how to do. So he he's just this character that is kind of plagued by the people that are around him. We get both MJ and Norman with the famous lines, right? Don't tell Harry. So Harry is always kept on the outside. Um, and although he's been more of a peripheral character, I, I've always found him to be very interesting because um, he's, he's kept on the outside of the circle by everybody. Question. Do you guys still cry at Uncle Ben's death scene? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's no longer pizza time when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Cliff Robertson, really, he, he just does a twofer. He does the car scene which he absolutely kills. And then the death scene, he, he's just so weak and vulnerable, but trying to reach out to his nephew, and it just works every single time. We didn't even talk about how well Randy Savage did as Bonesaw McGraw. <laughs> I don't want to do the voice, but like I want to do the voice, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Macho Man, he... Bonesaw McGraw, that's an iconic scene. Bruce Campbell, of course, has a cameo in all three of these films, and he's the MC uh, in this one. So also, fun fact, Octavia Spencer was the check-in lady for the for that cage yes, match. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> that was cool. I, I'm in love with the moment when he goes, the human spider, the human spider, that's all you got? That sucks. And then he announces him and goes, the amazing Spider-Man. I love that moment every single time. Yeah. Thank you for reminding us of the bone saw scene. Also, also the best Flash Thompson in this movie. Also, we should have gotten a spinoff sequel of what happened to the Flying Dutchman after he was beaten by Bonesaw and couldn't feel his legs. <laughs> Maybe that's just the wrestler, the Darren Aronofsky <laughs> film. That's the Flying Dutchman. <laughs> Please make your case for this being the best Flash. Yeah. Um, Joe Manganiello as, as mm. Flash Thompson. Or, I wouldn't want to fight me neither. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, just, that just kills me. That is that's one the one category where I will put the MCU over the Raimi films. I do like Tony Revolori. I mean, as yeah. Flash Thompson a lot. You mean, yeah, it's definitely a more modern take on yeah. like a bully. Yeah, you mean you mean young Benicio del Toro? <laughs> yes, that's true. The French check check out our French Dispatch Power of the Dog episode. I love the original. It shows a hero like as a person, which has always been like Spider-Man's kind of hook is that he is a human being and he makes mistakes and all that kind of stuff. And I do think this movie is uh, very representative of Spider-Man, not just being a singular superhero, but like being the spirit of a community's goodwill. We see in the climactic scene where Goblin is about to kill him that New Yorkers on the bridge help him, right? This is a hero that has to work with the community uh, we see it in other places, too, where Spider-Man gets help from the people that he is saving, right? It is a team effort, and I've always loved that about, about him. You guys have any final thoughts on the original Spider-Man? No, I think you guys pretty much covered all the positive stuff pretty well. Um, I just, yeah, it's it's a good... It, I, it's hard, I, like I said, I have a hard time ranking it as low as I did, but just I enjoyed the other ones better I, I, that's all I gotta say on that 
fair enough. I, I yeah, I think this is per and also Rosemary Harris as Aunt May. Let's let's not forget she killed it. Mm-hmm. All right, our number two, uh, we our collective was Spider Man No Way Home, and our number one is Spider Man Two from two thousand and four. Uh, this is directed by Sam Raimi with the screenplay by Alvin Sargent. And I think, I'll say up top, I think this is the best superhero movie that's ever been made. What, what do you guys definitely, think? It's definitely in contention for that. It's one of my favorites, absolutely. Well, okay, so I did rank No Way Home higher than this, but my reasoning for that is because No Way Home took what was good about this movie and what was good about all the other Spider-Man movies and I think it blended them together in, in its own way, in such a unique way, that it's hard for me to rank any one of the individual movies above No Way Home. That's that's my biggest reasoning on it. No No Way Home aside, like if we had made if we had recorded this a week ago before No Way Home came out, then absolutely, without a doubt, Spider Man Two would have been my number one. But um, with that being said. No Way Home just raised the bar to that point for me. With that said, Spider-Man 2 is such a good movie. Alpha Molina as Doc Ock just gives such an emotional, powerful, sympathetic performance. Tobey Maguire kills it arguably better than the first movie even in this. Um, Pretty much all the cast just took what was good about the first Spider-Man, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie and just doubled it and it's just so good yeah i agree tyler what do you think of spider-man 2 i think what it did this so well and like and this is kind of like in the early days of comic book movies they weren't really considered to be major like movies at this point and it showed peter as like a, a, a hero that's really failing like at his own personal life like the peter parker is falling apart he, he you know aunt may's like being evicted um, he's lost his relationship with MJ. Um, his relationship with Harry is being destroyed. And it's really showing him, and you, you see it in his, the fact that his powers, he keeps losing them at points. Like, he's just, like, broken almost. Like, and it's affecting his whole life. And I think that's kind of become a staple of the Spider-Man. Um, appear, like, all media um, appearances, I guess. But it, it just really shows it well that, like, even with this great power, like, you know, the, his life is, suffers from it. He's, he's, he doesn't get money from it, so his his financial like um, stability suffers from it, and like he, trying to split his time between being a hero is so demanding that like everything else in his life is falling apart. And I think it did that so well. Um, and obviously, you know, like yeah, Alfred Molina's performance is incredible. Um, I think this one just did everything well um, to really show like he sympathized with Peter, he sympathized with uh, Doc Ock. But, I mean, like, it, it's just such an interesting that early in there to see, like, a care like, the superhero isn't perfect, you know. Um, I feel like, you know, the most common, like, interpretation of, like, when you think of superheroes, like, Superman's kind of flawless, um, does everything perfectly, and you just got the opposite of that. And it was done so well um, that I just really was engaged from start to finish. And like you said, the other one, like you said, the first one was perfect. I feel that way about this one. I think this one was perfect. Um yeah, I think it's perfect too. And as you mentioned about juggling responsibilities, this movie does what a lot of great movies do in that the first scene 
is a perfect summary of the movie's entire conflict. I know we laugh at pizza time <laughs> a lot now, but Peter is trying to deliver pizzas. He's trying to be somebody who's working for a living, and it's getting in the way that he is try- also trying to save these people all the time. Um, he's saving kids from the street. It's the 29-minute guarantee he can't get to. He has that Phil Collins-looking guy who's like trying to steal a slice. I don't... How did he put the slice back after that guy tried to eat it? Is it going to have web on it now? <laughs> yeah, but the New Yorkers are just used to this. They're walking through yeah. webs all the time. Oh, Everything's covered webs. Web. Oh, I got web in my mouth. <laughs> web stuffed crust. Uh, Peter is in college now. I think one of the incredible touches about this movie is... Early on, May says, I don't know what I would do if I would face the one responsible for Ben's death. And then later we have the like super emotional scene of Peter admitting to her that it was because of him letting the guy go at the wrestling match that Uncle Ben died. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, this movie does not require this scene in any way, but it makes it a hundred times better. And that's the sort of stuff that I love with this. Um Doc Ock, as you guys mentioned, not only is it a good performance, but it's set up very well. Because in the first film, we have Norman Osborn, who is all about using your powers in a selfish and domineering way. But here we have uh, Otto Octavius, who is saying that intelligence or any sort of virtue is a gift that you have, and it's supposed to be used for the good of mankind. So he is a direct foil to Spider-Man's first villain, Obviously, he becomes corrupted, um, but it's something fresh. And the surgery scene, I don't know how you guys react to this, but this is like a completely effective horror scene, mm-hmm. which we know that Sam Raimi is, is really good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that scared the heck out of me when I was a kid, I tell you. Yeah, that like woman getting dragged into the darkness, and yeah, it's, it's really scary. Uh, we have Spider-Man losing his powers, and we have this like, this dream sequence with uncle ben that if handled poorly would have been like this is totally stupid but it completely works and it leads to regular peter to these complications with mary jane who kirsten dunce again is just killing it the whole time in this movie going back and forth with peter trying to succeed at acting you gotta think because i think mj you could make the same argument for but i think she always she not always but she knew in a way she says that peter parker was spider-man but aunt may has to be thinking why the f do these villains always single me out because in the first (laughs) one she's attacked by green goblin not like even on the street but like in her home (laughs) and then she gets captured by doc ock she must be like what how many more times (laughs) is this gonna happen she doesn't even realize it no two and two together it's just a new york experience (laughs) yeah Uh, We have the doctor who's wearing the Grateful Dead shirt. (laughs) That's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know why Peter left the Spider-Man uniform just, like, in a random dumpster. He, like, didn't even put it all the way in. It's (laughs) hanging off the side. I understand for the movie it has to work that way. But um, the fire scene, this is one of those where, like, in a sequel you repeat a scene. It, It often doesn't work. But in this one it does because in the first... One, there's a, a, an apartment building on fire, and Peter's able to save everybody before fighting Green Goblin. 
And in this one, when he gives up Spider-Man, somebody in the building dies. They don't make it out, right? So it's this really grave consequence of giving up the suit and becoming just a regular man when he has this great power. The train scene. Before I say anything about it, how do you guys feel about the train scene? I mean, I, I feel like, it, you know, it got memed, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the faces he makes. But, I mean, I thought that was a really effective scene. Like, it was really cool, you know, just to see, like, just how far he's gone, trying to go to save these people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a really interesting, well-done scene. I agree. And I thought the fight choreography was pretty sick on it, too. Um, and also, is, is it just me? Or is there, like, a train scene in almost every Spider-Man movie in some to some degree? I guess that's the New York experience. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was really it was really effective and it was really just well choreographed and um like the stakes were so high and it just it was just one of the most intense scenes in a superhero movie I've well to this day but especially watching it as a kid like that was just like the coolest thing watching that scene. And I I I mean I just love the part you know where they lift him carefully as a hero mm-hmm. part. I, 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 that, that part is so so good to me. So well done with it. Just kind of like like no one cares who his identity is. They just like just keep him going. Like yeah. I thought that was really cool. The New York experience right there. Yeah, <laughs> that and just webs in your mouth. All the guy webs. Yeah, I at the risk of sounding too dorky, I get chills whenever I watch this scene because I think this is one of Spider-Man's most human moments when he forgets about fighting Doc Ock for the moment and he's just trying to save the lives of these people and then what does New York do? They embrace him afterwards and it's wonderful. They keep his secret. Um, I know the faces are kind of funny to laugh at but I'm actually kind of impressed that like Toby did make those faces because you know a lot of the like action scene faces we get now are kind of like not what somebody would actually look like if they were trying to lift up a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can, I, I yeah, can you imagine like a stone face just pulling a train? I mean, that's <laughs> how it often right. is. Yeah, it yeah. is. I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm just so impressed with the train scene every single time. And then the end where we have MJ captured by Doc Ock. Um, he's trying to harness the power of the sun and we have this look after peter reasons with him and doc ock flips again going back to trying to destroy his invention we have mj looking at peter for the first time and that is just i said this on the power of the dog episode is that kirsten dunce is one of the best actresses and facial actresses just her look says it all she doesn't have to say anything I think that moment is is just incredible. And then we have the moment when the whole like wall of the structure is about to fall down on her and Peter lifts it up and he just goes high and it's like it's so intimate for being a moment about a spider humanoid lifting up a wall to hold over somebody, but it's so romantic when they're when he's climbing on the web towards her afterward and he has to, you know, say we can't be together. I, I love all that. One side note about her fiance, John Jameson is his name, yes? Mm. J. Jonah yep. Jameson's yep. son. Why does he really want Peter at the wedding? Why why is he like, Are you sure you don't want to invite your friend Peter? <laughs> yeah, <I'm not laughs> what sure. does he care? 
<laughs> he knows he's Spider-Man. He saw him. He saw him throw away the suit. <laughs> that would be really cool if you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. How, let's not forget the the J. Jonah Jameson part with, where he's wearing the suit. Or was that only from the extended version? I think that was the extended. Version. Oh, okay. So I watched the extended version of this movie, right? And there's a scene where somehow J.J. Jameson ends up with the spider suit. So he's like jumping around his office in the Spider-Man suit. <laughs> no mask on, just him with, uh, with the Spider-Man suit on. And he's like pretend webbing in the walls and stuff. <laughs> and his assistants yeah, are just funny. like looking through the window. They're like, they're like so weirded out. And it's just yeah. so freaking hilarious. <laughs> I totally agree. It's really funny. I love that. I like, yeah, I do too. <laughs> Uh, and then we have this like sort of epilogue of sorts where Peter has like resigned to the fact that he is Spider-Man and cannot fully be Peter Parker. It's the day of the wedding. And we get just one of the most joyous moments where MJ is running through the park in her wedding dress to Peter's apartment. It's lit perfectly. Um, I don't know. Some people might think it's corny, but I really love it. She comes in and she tells Peter that it's it's their decision to make whether or not they want to take the risk and she is doing it and i i just i love that message every time and then at the very end i'm just given all the props in the world when spider-man goes off and she says go get him tiger which is a great line hmm. we do not end the movie on spider-man swinging through the streets of new york we end the movie on mary jane's face and kirsten dunce creates a mona lisa smile in that shot i don't know what she's thinking i don't know if she's apprehensive if she's in admiration if maybe she's starting to regret if she's desirous or a combination of all those things but we just get that look of her face and then dashboard confessional and we're out mm-hmm. gotta love gotta love dashboard confessional i forgot that that song was at the end of that movie until i watched it again yeah it's, it's perfect uh, I perfect song for it, it. It really is. Vindicated by Dashboard Confessional. So my apologies for, for talking your ears off about these movies, but I, I think one and two are perfect. Why, why the apologies? That's what we're here for, man. All right, fair enough. We all love Spider-Man. If someone doesn't love Spider-Man, there's no way they would have listened to it this far in. <laughs> Somebody's sitting there with their arms folded. I don't like this. Someone's like, who's Spider-Man? Just keep mentioning yeah. it. This is somebody's punishment. You're going to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> There's three different Spider-Men? What yeah. is going on? Um, yeah. Imagine bring, going back in time to like 2000, like say 2005, just after Spider-Man 2 came out and be like, yeah. you know, you see how good this movie was? Well, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just you wait. You're going to get, oh. you're going to get a rough, rough few years, but it's going to turn around. I promise. <laughs> or or going to 2007 after Spider-Man 3 came out and be oh, like gosh. be like I I know this looks bad. It's going to get worse before it gets better. They had like 4, <laughs> 5 and 6 planned and then they're just like, yeah, we're not doing those. <laughs> There's just a 100 villains in four. Yeah. Like what is the no, no scene is coherent. Yeah. I uh mm. I forgot to mention one thing about Homecoming that disappointed me. What? We talked about video game tie-ins. The first Spider-Man video game uh, where you fight Green Goblin mm -hmm. 
and you fight the shocker that's like basically like the rock dude oh yeah i was a little disappointed in the the shocker from homecoming really yeah he just has the glove and he's like oh you're the shocker you shock people it was just a guy with a glove (laughs) yeah but it's bikini woodbine with a glove which is cool i like him that's i don't know like who are you gonna call yeah oh god shocker I was so happy, and then you just brought that up. I also didn't mention during Amazing Spider-Man 2 how much I hated the uh, Dane DeHaan. Uh, oh, you, yeah. you alluded Harry to it. Osborne. That's honestly part of what the, the, made me the, put it below the Amazing Spider-Man 1. Yeah, that it's was just horrible. such a drag. Uh, I, I gotta give you that for sure. What has Dane DeHaan like, even been doing since that? I have nothing against Dane DeHaan. I just think his part as Harry Osborn is... Just raw. I didn't buy the chemistry of them as friends at all. I no, not for me. And the goblin, the goblin, the actual like goblin makeup was terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was really bad. Uh, any final thoughts on Spider-Man, fellas? Um, being one of my favorite superheroes ever, uh, one of the first superheroes I was ever exposed to, and just what being on this whole ride cinematically with Spider-Man, it's just been such a wild amazing experience even like you know you got the good movies you get the bad movies but it's just so fun to even just be able to talk about these things and that to have such a community like like the like all the people that came out to with us on opening night to see such a such an event it's just something there's just something special about the character about the story and i'm just i'm glad to be a fan I totally agree. And with that, with that in mind, we want to hear from you guys. Please, please, please let us know what you thought of No Way Home or any of the Spider-Man movies, anything about Spider-Man, anything movie-related or any random thought that you have. Please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com, all lowercase. Rate and review. Follow us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod, and our Facebook is Silver Screensavers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? Um, so I want to say also, Spotify just added ratings to their podcasts. So if you listen to us on Spotify, we'd appreciate a kind review, or feel free to just give us a rating. Um, and then we're off on the rest of the podcatchers as well. You can find me at Maddie Xsters, M A T T Y X S T U R D Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler, what about you? Find me on Instagram or Twitter at uh, at Tyler Sutkus, S U T K U S. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallat, G A L A T, all lowercase, and on Letterboxd at M Gallat. So thank you so much for listening. Let us know your thoughts on Spider-Man. Happy holidays, everybody, and we'll see you next time. See you, everybody. Take care. See you. Enjoy your holidays. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukis, and Matt Sturdivant. Additional editing by Matt Sturdivant. Intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay. Logo design by Nathan Seidel. 